catches it. Stopped by Platt. Here's Steve Bold. And it's Adams. Put through by Bold. Would you believe it? That sums it all up. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of That Sums It All Up. How are you? I hope you're well. It's been a while since we've been on the show, but we're back, unfortunately, in a rather uh, unfortunate series of events to discuss, but we're here anyway, and with me to discuss it all is Johnny. Hello, Johnny. How are we? I've I've been better um, on, on an Arsenal front. Yeah, I've been better. I think we're all processing um, last night's game, the defeat, the wider implications. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot to be positive about, I think. I think we'll discuss some of that, or or, uh, or I will, we will. And I think there's still, yeah, there's a lot of cause for optimism, despite, obviously, last night's result. Other than that, I'm pretty good on, a, on an actual personal level. I'm in Israel at the moment. And uh, and I can't complain. It's nice and sunny and tiny degrees Lovely. here. So yeah, that that's nice. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Like you, kind of. Uh, well, to be honest, my coping mechanism for for this sort of thing happening. By the way, we're talking about Arsenal's three-one loss to Manchester City that happened last night on Wednesday evening. I just kind of like I can't bring myself to to like look at all the articles written and podcasts. Just yet. Normally, I, I'm quite good at, at, at that sort of cathartic listening, but and reading. But for now, I'm just like I can't bring myself to do it just yet. Um, maybe because there's been such a short turnaround, like or I felt there was a short turnaround between the game on Saturday and then Wednesday, and then we've got Saturday morning again. So mm. lots of content to consume. Things are ever changing, and I guess just because Arsenal find themselves in a bit of a slump at the moment, I don't want to kind of engage myself too much because I fear that maybe then I'll leave leave myself getting disappointed and <laughs> and hurt. Um, but yeah, no, other than that, I'm well. I am heading to Suffolk this weekend, the week with my girlfriend and yeah, doing some cooking and stuff like that. All of the good stuff. Um but yeah, let's um, let's get into let's get into proceedings because I think let let's use this as our as our forty minute therapy therapy hour, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So you mentioned this morning you, you, or today you could have been doing better. What what are the main kind of emotions that are running through your running coursing through your veins today? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's hard. I don't know how you feel. I'm sure we'll get into it, but it's. I mean, regret is is a word that comes to mind, definitely. I just think because it took me a while to process the first half when I was watching it and, and at half time, and I was watching it sort of in quite a busy um, American pub, I guess, bar here in Tel Aviv, which was actually, I had a mix of Arsenal City fans in, so I didn't have the commentary and didn't really like usually when I as you know when I watch Arsenal games unless I'm in the stadium I try and immerse myself in it watch them basically on my own and I'm very like methodical and 
it's um it's not like an enjoyable experience it's 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 like something that has to be done and if we win then it's enjoyable but the but the watching process rarely ever is but this was different because it was much more social despite the fact that i went to this pub on my own and didn't know anyone there um <laughs> so well i was watching it and then i sort of got to half time and i was like well do you know what? we're actually pretty good and then some of the arsenal fans who were sort of standing and sitting near me were like yeah that was a good half of football we played well but we gifted them a goal in the first half and we gifted them a goal in the second half and as arteta said you just can't do that and it was too many mistakes i and then so i woke up and i just was like you know we've missed an opportunity here i i sort of was really up, upset, maybe not the right word, but sort of disheartened by party's absence. And I think there's a wider conversation that needs to be had around party and how we progress long-term and, and sort of short-term, mm. given his injury record and and how key of a figure he is to our system. But yeah, it was just, you know, just felt, you know, I haven't felt sick like that in a long time watching Arsenal, which I think in a way is a good thing and a bad thing. Definitely. The bad thing is obviously we lost, but, you know, you and I were at university during those, the, the real barren years. I'm not talking about the trophyless barren years between 2005 and 2014, because those years were still good football and we were getting Champions League qualification. The barren years to me was sort of 2018 to 2021, those sort mm. of four years where, yes, we had a Europa League final uh, and we won one FA Cup in that period, but we were bad and we were finishing eighth and we weren't competitive. And that sort of nauseating feeling when it came to big games just disappeared from, from my system because there were never big games for us. Every... We were treading water for three or four seasons, just trying to stay in the conversation as being part of the big six, let alone challenging for a title. So actually for it to be back and to have a title challenging game like we had last night, you know, I haven't had a feeling, a pre-game feeling like we like I had last night since the Champions League knockout round games that I go to or you know, aside from the odd FA Cup final here or there. And that that was positive. I think for, for the fan base as a whole to experience it, but it was tough. To, it's really tough to take. It's always tough to take when you lose such an important game. So that's sort of where I was. I mean, what what about you? Yeah, I mean, when I try and connect myself and engage a bit with how I'm feeling, because at the moment I'm doing some serious deflection and avoidance. <laughs> I feel, yeah, like you, a bit of regret, frustration, disappointment uh kind of this sort of just slow sapping of of life energy and and morale i feel like a bubble has been burst and you kind of it's it feels as if it doesn't feel as if it was inevitable but once it starts happening you, you know all these feelings come flooding back and you'd be like oh well this is why you don't get excited or oh this is what happens and but i think this is different and i think we'll get onto that but that kind of sinking sensation of of crushing disappointment and and pain I, is something that we haven't had to revisit for a while, I think. But I guess that shows that we're sort of competing at a different level now. I think the most frustrating thing was the manner in which we lost the game. Because look, I thought we were pretty good in that first half, um, bar the mistake. I think we were better than City. 
once Saka equalised from the penalty spot, I turned, I turned around and I said, I said to the people I was watching with, I was like, right, we're going to win this game now because I really thought I was like, right, you've got a goal before half time, you can take that positive energy into the break and then come out again. But we just never really came out. And City, to be fair, up their game big time in the second half. I thought they pressed really well and sort of maybe it was a bit of bit from column A and column B, but we were not at our best. We were we were lacking sharpness. We were giving balls away, but then Man City were also pressing really well and really boxing us in. So you could argue that maybe they sort of forced us to to play in the way that we did. But yeah, I think frustration and disappointment because look, we're no longer top of the league. Not that we should really be focusing on that, even though we're level on points with City with the game in hand. I think it was just the occasion was such a mammoth one and to sort of come away from it, sort of being dispatched in that second half, you could see that the pressure was getting to the players. You could see that there was kind of a lack of, uh, not of belief of of just momentum to kind of carry the players through in that second half when City up their game. And I think that was the kind of worrying thing that we saw just how kind of uh, ruthless and well-drilled and kind of experienced that Manchester City side are. They just looked kind of that they'd been there before, they'd done it, and this was a massive game and they just sort of turned up to our place and weathered the storm and hit us on hit us where it hurt when we provided them the opportunities, which you can't do, as you said, against a team of Manchester City's quality. Um and I guess the only other feeling, the only other feeling is is kind of an anxiety that, you know, I I I I wrote a little little article or wrote a little piece like last week, uh, just about how ev- the Everton game was maybe a little blip, just because it was Sean Dyche's first game, and you know we don't tend to do well there, and all of these sort of factors conspiring against us. And then Brentford happened at the weekend, which was also maybe of its own accord, quite a challenging game. They're a really good side at the moment. We had a really bad refereeing VAR decision against made against us. But then you kind of add all these things up. Then we lost to Man City in the cup and now we've lost them in the league. And then suddenly we haven't won a game in four games. Uh, we've got two points from our possible nine in the league and uh, from our last three. And so you start thinking, oh God, like what's going on here? And then you've got Aston Villa away, the early Saturday kickoff, which is a bit worrying in my mind. Alarm bells are sort of going already. So, yeah, I think there's just a kind of a worry about where we are at the moment. But I think it's also important to try and remain level-headed. And the fact is we're still in a very good position and it's only just over halfway. And look, like what will happen will happen. Um. Yeah, I think that was that was a lot. You can tell that I've been keeping that in. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, you know, what I think on that is when when sort of speaking about remaining level headed, I I think that that's sort of where where the the sort of reflection points and um for for the fan base the club, for the players, these sort of points of introspection, points of reflection are key because actually, and I, and we had this last season and there was a constant debate last season when, when the league ended and we finished, what was it, a point outside the top four. 
Mm. of well, how do you evaluate the season? Because going into the season, no one expected us to challenge for the top four. And then as the season progressed and as we got better and as there were obviously other factors that went on last season, like um, Spurs changing manager midway through a season and um, who else? Other teams underperforming, United underperforming massively last season. And it emerged that actually there was a top four spot that was up for grabs and we challenged for it. And then it was like, well, are we disappointed that we finished outside the top four? Or are we actually pleased with the progress? And is there a counterbalance where we can remain level? And and the same thing is is sort of, I think, going to ring true at the end of this season. Mm. Because although after the United game, I think I and the majority of the fan base actually started to believe that we could win the title... I've never once been of the opinion that no. you know, we're favourites to win the title. I've always thought, um, you know, being rational, City will come back and, and we'll win the league. But at that, in that same sort of train of thought, at the start of the season and, you know, before and even in the early months of the season, no one expected us to run City to the end. So the fact that we're doing it has to be factored into the progress that we're making Arteta himself, you know, has publicly admitted that we're ahead of schedule in his in his project, and that it's important to factor all of that in and remain level-headed when we're evaluating um, or assessing sort of where we are post yeah two or three bad results. But really, you know, and I look at those results: Everton, Brentford, and City, and and, and obviously. You can't do this because they occur within the wider context of a season. But taken in isolation, you've really got... Well, Everton was just a freak set of circumstances at a ground mm. that we actually just don't perform well at. Mm. Every every team has a bogey ground. I mean, I can't explain to you why City have lost five games in a row and never scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in the same way that a City fan probably can't explain... To, to their friends why we've not won at Goodison Park since 2017 despite them being an absolute mess of a club mm. we then you know you then look at the Brentford game and that's that's just an error that's just it's not even human error it's just someone forgetting to do their job mm. has, has led to us not winning that game and then we've played the best team in Europe in my opinion and they've beaten us so Without arguably, you know, two without without very... our two best players, which I which I which we need to get into because that for me is is a bit a wider issue. But but yeah, definitely with that that factors in because well, no, let's talk about that. What did you think of the lineup and 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 how yeah, big a miss? I mean, just just we? quick just quickly on what you said. I think yeah. yeah, we we went on record. I think saying after the Man United game that after that we believed we could win the league. But I always mm. said. It's the Man City game. If you win that, then you're thinking, right, this is you're seriously thinking, right, we we will win the league. And so until that point, you're sort of in in a in a hopeful mindset. And it didn't happen. And so you're kind of back to, well, oh, yeah, we could we're still in a little bit of a race at the moment, but no one's signing signing uh, signing away any contracts about uh uh concluding that we're gonna win the league this season. But yeah, um, the lineups. It was a shame that that Thomas Party news was leaking throughout the day, and then there was there were maybe rumours that he was with the squad and he'd arrived with the squad and this that and the other. So I just decided to stay away from Twitter for a while, and then yes, obviously he was injured. He picked up a light 
muscle strain, I think, in his back, Mikola Tessa said, um, which is a bit of a worry. Um, apparently, he was training yesterday and it was a very, very late call. So Jorginho came in to deputise and then Tomiyasu came in for Ben White at right back, which I think, again, yeah, sort of maybe in the post because Ben White hasn't been brilliant recently and... I seem to remember Tomiyasu having a really strong performance against City actually um, mm. at the Emirates last season on New Year's Day. And, mm. you know, he did really well against Liverpool at the Emirates when we beat them 3-2. So I thought it was fine. And, and Ben White tends to get a bit tired anyway when you get past 60 minutes. So it, it didn't sort of jump out to me as anything too upsetting. The one thing that was upsetting, I suppose, or, or worrying was, well, how are we going to cope with that Thomas Partey? Um, because... He's such an important player. He played brilliantly against Man City and at the Emirates last season as well. And I guess at least we had someone in the shape of Jorginho who came in. I thought he did actually pretty well, considering it was his first start uh, for Arsenal. And in such a high magnitude game, standing in for someone who's kind of irreplaceable. But, you know, it does make a massive difference to the way that we play. And even though we haven't played very well in the last couple of games with Partey and the team, I think when you're playing Man City, you want your best players on the pitch and you hope that they do the job. And he wasn't there. Um, so I think we were sort of at a disadvantage from that point of view. Absolutely. Um, and I know you you have quite strong feelings about this in terms of Partey's importance to the team. Yeah, I just, well, I just to sort of, Firstly, agree with what you were saying about Jorginho. Is actually, yeah, I agree with you. He had a good game. But I, I can't really fault him. I thought he had a really good first half. There was potentially an argument to be made that he was sort of one of our best players, if not our best player in that first half. The way he broke up player midfield, I think he made the most interceptions out of any player in the first half, which was three. Um, distributed neatly was good. I was actually surprised he didn't take the penalty because of obviously his penalty record uh, at mm. Chelsea and was sort of didn't international think level. That, actually. Yeah. But um but Saka, that was a great penalty. I'm sure we'll get on to that. But I I just think with party I, I, I it's actually not Arsenal fans. I think football fans who aren't Arsenal fans often, definitely until this season, but even still as the season's progressed don't quite realise just how integral party is to our system. And a lot of the areas where I think he was missed yesterday was actually defensively because mm. of his height and his physicality. He's a big player. He can dribble past players. He's quick over sort of 10, 15 yards, both sort of in possession, shutting down space out of possession. He's got long legs, like, if you watch the build-up play to City's third goal, I think before De Bruyne gets it, the player who passes to De Bruyne sort of is able to just manoeuvre his way quickly past Jorginho, and Jorginho stumbles a bit. And actually, I don't think party is as easy to get past. Um, mm. And from a wider, taking like a wider lens on it, he's... Um, is incredibly important to how we progress. And I think for the other players, maybe they have faith in Jorginho. I don't see why they wouldn't. He's a very good midfielder. But actually, he gives, well, at least he gives me a lot of security as a fan. This is a player that I trust implicitly. 
and he's been, you know, when he plays well, the stats are there. When he plays, we win. When he doesn't play, we struggle to win. It, yeah, it's I pretty, mean, it's pretty simple. Look, I think Jorginho did very well, and obviously we missed Thomas Partey, but I think ultimately, I don't think the game was lost because Thomas Partey wasn't there yesterday. I think when you look at the incidents that occurred, you know, you've got the Tommy Asu mistake, which was out of mm. nowhere. Then you've got, I think, in the second half, Gabriel's kind of error, which he was lucky not to be punished for maybe a few minutes before when he brought down Haaland and then, you know, it was offside. So VAR chalked that penalty off. But, you know, you could see that Gabriel was feeling the, feeling the pressure. And we know that sometimes when he feels the heat, <laughs> what's going to come next? And there's a lapse of concentration, a ball given yeah. away. And look, maybe Thomas Partey is there in the middle of the pitch to sort of help out a bit more than Jorginho was. Um, I thought Zinchenko had a tough game at left back. I think he's his his influence, while still great in, in our team, he's not maybe been utilising it sort of so devastatingly. Um, so yeah, look, I, I think Partey was obviously a big miss, as was Gabriel Jesus. Like, I think... Again, Eddie's done brilliantly, yeah. but you kind of when when it starts getting a bit tough, you start looking to your best players, your experienced players, and we don't have Gabriel Jesus available at the moment. So hopefully he will be back ASAP because I think we could really do with some of his his uh well, just him in our team, please. But yeah, go on. Yeah. No, just, just yeah, like on Gabriel Jesus, I think the narrative, again, a lot of fans, maybe this is now slightly including Arsenal fans, but definitely not Arsenal fans, are forgetting in, in sort of social media and in traditional media, just Gabriel Jesus is a complete, has been a complete and utter revelation to Arsenal over the over this season. There is no way, no way that we would even have been in a position to challenge for the title and been five points clear going into the World Cup like we were, had it not been for Gabriel Jesus. This is removing. Mm. He's scored some good goals. He's contributed with a lot of assists. But there's multiple games where he's not scored or assisted and been man. I can't think of a game where he hasn't been in contention for man of the match. That's how... he's He is our best player. It's It's like Spurs losing Kane, in my opinion. It's... It's like City losing KDB for three months. I think he is that important to our system. I was thinking this morning, I was looking at Wolves away, which was the last game we played before the the World Cup break. We won 2-0, two second-half goals. Chelsea away, we won 1-0. Um, and Bournemouth uh, away at the start of the season, which I think we ended up winning 3-0. Three games where Gabriel Jesus didn't score in, didn't assist in, and was man of the match in all three of them, in my opinion. Mm. And actually, that's what he brings. It's Eddie has done well. And I don't want to criticize Eddie. Eddie's someone I like. He's a product of our youth system. But Gabbridge's is an elite level talent. He's a four time Premier League winner. And I don't think, and I think what's happened is he's come out of the team. And for the first six games, we were still playing really well. And Eddie dropped in. And mm-hmm. Erdegaard was playing really well. And everyone was saying, well, he's sort of the best player in the league at the moment. And Zinchenko stepped up. The truth is, I think they were all playing as good as they've been playing all season. 
And Gabriel Jesus has just been playing a level above them all because he's a level above all the players. And actually, I would say him and Thomas Partey are the two elite talents in this squad. Saka, yes, but I still don't think Saka has the ability to control and run a game um, like some of the other players in our team. I think he's a moments player still. And and it's a huge miss. And obviously, we're going to be feeling it. And the, the surprising thing, I think, for everyone is actually that it's gone into sort of the middle middle of February for that to impact us. Mm. And it wasn't sort of the case at the end of December when the league resumed. Because I don't know about you, but I was like, well, we're going to be fucked from the off without yeah, I think Actually, we managed to go a month and a half without being fucked. I think that's a really good point and important to kind of reconsider what our expectations were before his absence and now that we're maybe starting to feel the effects of his absence a bit more and the fact that, you know, that the games are coming a bit thicker and faster and teams are in good form and, and we're maybe having just a bit of that mid-season kind of lack of lack of freshness and, and impetus and things like that. But yeah, they are a big miss, of course. But look, I think ultimately, first half was was pretty good. Second half, we weren't good enough. Um, City upped their level big time, I think. They looked like a proper kind of industrious, mm. experienced side that I don't want to, I, I don't know whether we are more to blame for our mistakes or whether they sort of, by the way that they were playing, the pressure they were exerting on us from the from their front to our back, whether they were responsible for, for the mistakes that we started to make more and more. Um, but they capitalized, they took their chances and they punished us. Um and we we couldn't cope with with the whatever it was, the level that they were playing at or the level that they were sort of inviting us to play at. We I don't think we could cope with the with the pressure um in that game state. And ultimately, Tommy Asu's first half mistake almost sealed the second half. I think in terms of what was to come, because there were so many more mistakes and loose balls and and things like that, and so yeah, it was a it was a lack of. Uh, ultimately, we weren't good enough. We weren't good enough to win the game overall, and it was a shame because we were good in the first half, and those mistakes started happening a bit more and more, and you just kind of felt the game slipping away from us, and City were just growing into it more and more, feed almost feeding on our our kind of vulnerability that was showing. And that was that was my reading of it. Um, I mean, let, let's take the first half a bit more. Let's analyse it a bit more. I think, I mean, ultimately, overall, I thought it was a pretty scrappy game. Uh, I don't think it was kind of, uh, there were a few nice moments from both sides, but I think there was a lot of stop and starting, a lot of fouls, a lot of free kicks. Um, and the sort of few chances that we did have I think we snatched at them or they were sort of quite difficult chances that that maybe we didn't do the best that we could have done. I think Eddie had a brilliant chance in the first half, the lovely Zinchenko cross, and he sort of shouldered it. He didn't quite get his head to direct it into the far corner. You say maybe he should have done better. It's a hard chance, but you think in this sort of game, on this sort of occasion, you need your striker to be able to make the most of those sort of half chances in a way. Yeah, and I think I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to today's um, Ask Cast with with Andrew and James yet, but 
the point that Andrew makes, which is which is really poignant in in sort of light of yesterday's result, is there were two or three quite clear opportunities that Eddie had within the sort of within the box, within the width of the goal, if you'd like. They weren't sort of at the edge of the box; they were within the width of the post. Two headers and and that sort of cross that Tommy Asu played across the six yard box, which Eddie mm. just missed. And actually, Eddie's sort of his USP as a footballer, you know, his unique selling point is that he's he's a fox in the box. He's not going to do, we've spoken about Jesus who drops deep, links up play, beats players one-on-one, all of that. That's not, it's not Eddie's game. Eddie has and always will be a penalty box striker. So when he is getting the service, you know, it's not like he's isolated and he's not getting those, you know, it's not, these aren't sort of, Klasnich cutbacks, cutback FC to no one. These are really, really um, well-placed, accurate crosses to him, either to his head or sort of along the ground to his feet. And when you get three of those in a game, an elite-level striker needs to take them. Or if you want to win the league, you need mm. an elite-level striker who's taking them. It's not it's not good enough to say, well, yeah, I'm a fox in the box against the bottom half and in the FA Cup, but then when it comes to the top six. And and the fact is that we've seen, you know, already this season, Eddie against United getting a brace with those kind of goals. He can do it. Maybe luck just went against him last night. But I am I am of the opinion that he should have been better. And he, he has to, even if he's not scoring, you know, he didn't test Edison once. And actually, yeah. that's that's a bit of an issue. Yeah, I think let's... Well, we'll get on a bit more to Eddie's contribution, but he had that chance in the first half and then we had the Tommy Asu mistake. Look, it was, it was a poor mistake from him and it kind of made you think, oh, like, it's such a shame for him because he's just come in. He looks a bit shaky in that first half, like he'd been out of the team for a while and then he does that. And to be fair, it's a brilliant finish from Kevin De Bruyne. Um, really good, really, really good. Um, but we responded well and Eddie won a penalty. Edison sort of clatters him after he'd, he'd had a sort of trickled shot on goal. You don't normally see them given, but it was great to see it given. I wasn't expecting it. And uh, I suppose that was a good contribution from Eddie because Saka dispatched the resulting penalty. Um, so, yeah, as I said, we I went into the second half feeling pretty, pretty confident, but we started just... Not very well at all. Um, there was sloppiness. It was very scrappy. Um, I could sort of see slowly just our kind of energy levels and freshness and concentration levels slowly waning away. And I was like, God, like we need to we need to keep this up. Um, and City was sort of pressing us really high, forcing us into conceding possession a bit more. And I think I can't remember when when exactly it was around the 60th minute or something like that. Um, we were saved by VAR because there was a tussle between Gabriel and Haaland. Gabriel brought Haaland down in the box, got a yellow card and, and the referee points to the spot. And I was like, oh God, it's like last season again, something like that, where it's going so well. And then <laughs> we, uh, we you know, concede a penalty or get someone sent off. But we were saved by VAR, fortunately. And then you think, right, respond to this, like switch on. And then I think almost straight away, we gave a ball away and they were almost through on go- goal again. Mm. Um and it just looked that it sort of continued like that. And then Gabriel gave another ball away. Um, and then I think it was, was it Haaland who who broke through, played it across to Gundogan, who then played it across to Grealish. 
Yeah. And and then, you know, Grealish took a shot. It wasn't a great shot, but there was a deflection from Tommy Asu and then it's 2-1. And that was really quite, quite uh, uh, what's the right word? Disheartening to see. And you felt at that point, oh God, like I'm not sure if we're getting anything from this game. No, no, I would agree with you. I think that 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 was basically how I saw the second half play out. I noticed you you sort of noticed immediately within the first few minutes of of the second half how high City were pressing. It it reminded me of of one of Guardiola's Barcelona teams. In fact, the whole game after full time, I was sort of had like a twenty five minute walk back from where I watched it to where I'm staying here, and I was thinking it through. And the whole game just sort of reminded me on balance of of basically Arsenal from you know that Fabregas, Nasri, Arshavin Van Persie team mm. playing against one of Guardiola's Barcelona teams where it's clear that you can compete for 45 minutes and then eventually they just suffocate you and press you mm. and and pick you off and and there's very little you can do about it. Which is the sad is the sad reality of, of, of also where we are, I don't think, again going back to the wider context of this I never thought and I still don't think we're in a position to be competing sort of neck and neck with this City team and so the fact that we are is testament to how far we've come but yeah the the second half just played out exactly like you said in fact I remember you spoke about the the penalty that wasn't given because of VAR I remember the TV channel in Israel was showing sort of too many replays of that for my liking and when mm. the game and when the feed when the camera feed cut back to the live game we'd already taken obviously the free kick that we'd gotten because Harlem was offside and City had won it back immediately and were yeah. and attacking us again and it was just continuous wave after wave of attack it felt like we couldn't really string passes together we put a few good moves together and then they sort of broke down I don't think we actually had a shot until Eddie's header, with, which was in stoppage time of the second half, in that second half, just sort of give context. I know a lot of a lot has been made of, of the fact that actually this was the lowest possession Guardiola's ever had in a Premier League game. Guardiola mm. City side, I think they had 36% possession. But yeah. it, was what, it was what was done with that possession. And in the second half, it was it was too much. They were they were, they were they were ruthless and clinical, yeah. and they've got such brilliant talent out there as well. And we just couldn't cope. And look, you have to be perfect, I think, to beat a Man City side like this. And we weren't perfect, far from it. Um, and then look, they got a third goal. Haaland with a really good finish from inside the box. Um, I think maybe Zinchenko could have done better down the left hand side, but it was a classic kind of De Bruyne running on the overlap, pulling it back, and then Haaland finishing. Um, Look, we'll keep this one short, but let's just sum sum everything up, if you like. I think it was a big blow to momentum because we've already been stuttering, I think, over the last couple of weeks. Um, we struggled against Everton. We didn't play up to our level because they stifled us. Brentford as well stifled us. There were periods where we were right, like they were in the City game. But we, we've not been playing that free-flowing, kind of fast-moving uh, intricate, incisive, clinical play that we've been used to this season. I think the level has dropped somewhat for individuals, but also as a team. And now you're looking at, as I said at the top of the show, two points from the last possible nine. City have caught up. Um, one point. 
one point from the last possible nine. God, yeah. <laughs> and um, and look, maybe it's a it's a combination of of getting the playing the wrong opponents at the wrong times in succession. But that's what you got to do in this league. And before, it didn't matter who we were playing because we were playing so well. But now it looks as if the outside factors are kind of overpowering what we're doing ourselves. And and it is a bit of a concern. Um, but I guess look, we gotta we gotta learn from it. I think when we go to City later on in the season, Gabriel Jesus will be fit. Hopefully, Thomas Partey will be fit. We know that this team likes a good revenge story. So, look, I would not be surprised if we went to the Etihad and played really well with our strongest team and you know got our revenge. Let's hope for that. But let's leave it on a let's leave it on a more positive point. Perhaps we're still level on points with Man City. They're just ahead on goal difference. We've still got a game in hand. We're still in a brilliant position. It's just the gap has closed somewhat. This just has to be a little bump in the road, but. Look, the games don't get easier. We've got Villa away on Saturday, then we've got Leicester away on Saturday after. Two hard games against teams that are in form, crowds that are going to be, you know, on it from the beginning. Where where, where are we going from here then? Yeah, I, I mean, everything now, it makes Saturday massive. Uh, I think the players would like the fact that there's a game so quickly to turn a corner. Mm. We win on Saturday and psychologically, I think everyone just takes a deep breath. Can't really, I'm, I'm refusing to think about what happens if we don't win. So we just got to hope, you know, we turn up. Emery, I, yeah, Emery will do we, us we a favour. We haven't even spoken about the, the implication or, or the sort of the motivations of Villa and Emery and Emmy Martinez to you know, always get the result against us. But, I think um, I think attention just focuses now on Saturday. It's it's a huge, huge game, and again, it's a game we should win. We've got the team. I I, I have the confidence in in our team to get a result. But yeah, as you said, the system has been found out a bit. There's without Jesus, there's less rotation up front, and and that's affecting the way we can play. It's affecting how quickly we're starting games because teams are dropping off. So yeah, it makes the Aston Villa game just incredibly, incredibly pressurised, which isn't the best thing for us because of the the obviously the implications with Emery being their manager and whatnot. But yeah, as you say, there there is a lot of optimism. As as you said, we're we're joint top. They're they're ahead of us on goal difference. We have a game in hand. You know, in theory, although it, you know it's not going to play out like this. But if we were to win every game of our last 16 games, we would win the league. It's as that simple as it's as simple as that. It is still in our hands. Um there will be ups and downs over the over the next sort of three months between now and May. I think for both clubs. I think City look fallible. They've already lost four times. They've Definitely. You, know, you look you look at their results against Everton and Brentford, well, they lost at home to Brentford and they drew at home to Everton. So they only took one point from from those two, out of a possible six from those two games like we did. And that was a home game against Everton. That wasn't them going to Goodison Park. So I think, yeah, wider context, there's a lot to be positive about, but we have to bounce back quickly. You know, we didn't bounce back against Everton and then we were robbed of a bounce back against Brentford because that ten you know, 
that's just an official forgetting to do their job. And then City sitting taking an isolation. But now we need to win. We need we need to get a good result against Villa. Leicester also look rejuvenated, and that's not going to be an easy game to go away to Leicester a week on Saturday. And then we're at home to Everton. And if we can put together two or three runs, a win, sorry, we can get a little run going. I think we could all see how capable this squad is in the first half of the season. You don't take 50 points from 19 games by accident. Mm. That's just, that doesn't happen. That's, that's, that's the sign of a really, really talented, organised, hungry, hardworking, ambitious group of players. They, you, you know, maybe you win the odd game or two by luck or accident. You don't have something like the third or fourth best ever start to a Premier League season for any club ever by accident. And so I believe that when we get that first win, it will be a massive sort of release for everyone and hopefully we'll kickstart. I'm not saying we'll go, we might not go 16 games unbeaten between now and the end of the season, but we might go six but, wins yeah. or something. And and we need to just get a roll on a run together because also, and I know we've got a game in hand on them, but United aren't a million miles behind us. It's five points and they're in really good form. And then there's a bit more of a gap to Newcastle and Spurs uh, fifth. So, you know, obviously we're 12 points ahead of them with a game in hand. But you don't want to be in a situation where all of a sudden you're looking over your shoulder and United are breathing down your neck by a point or two and fourth, and you're only nine points ahead of fourth or something like that. Because it is a long season and there's, there's you know, we've got to go to Anfield. Uh, we've got to go to the Etihad. We've got to go to St. James's Park. Chelsea have to come to, come to us. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of big games to come. Look, I think I think we need to bounce back and we need to beat Villa. And look, there's there's three games in this li- little block of a uh, next block, and you're really looking at seven points minimum from those three games. You've got to beat Everton at home. You should be beating hopefully at least one, if not both, of of Villa and Leicester. But who knows? Like it, it we've seen that that the way in which teams are playing, our opponents are playing, is now starting to affect our results before it didn't matter. But we've got to regain, regroup, regain our momentum and uh we've got to keep going because that's just what what it demands. And look, hopefully Gabriel Jesus's return isn't going to be too far away. I mean, he's back in training. He's back on the grass. You'd hope that maybe he'd be he'd be back on the bench, maybe in a couple of weeks or something. So, mm. look, let's let's wait and see on that one. But I think we'll we'll leave it there for today, Johnny. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, great to uh, great to break things down and sum it all up as always. As always, quick reminder that you can find. All the episodes of That Sums It All Up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you listen. Thank you all for being here. Take care. Keep the faith. Until next time, take it easy. Goodbye. <laughs>